Section 17 of The Handy Cyclopedia of Things Worth Knowing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Handy Cyclopedia of Things Worth Knowing by Joseph Trenans. Section 17. THE STEPS IN THE GROWTH OF AMERICAN LIBERTY MAGNA CARTA About seven hundred years ago there was organized a movement which resulted in the great charter of English liberty, a movement which foreshadowed the battle of our American forefathers for political independence. On the 25th of August, 1213, the prelates and barons, tiring of the tyranny and vacillation of King John, formed a council and passed measures to secure their rights. After two years of contest, with many vicissitudes, the barons entered London and the king fled into Hampshire. By agreement both parties met at Runnymede on the ninth of June, 1215, and after several days' debate, on June 15th, Magna Carta, the Great Charter, the glory of England, was signed and sealed by the Sovereign. The Magna Carta is a comprehensive bill of rights, and, though crude in form, and with many clauses of merely local value, its spirit still lives, and will live. Clear and prominent we find the motto, No Tax Without Representation. The original document is in Latin, and contains sixty-one articles, of which the thirty-ninth and fortieth, embodying the very marrow of our own state constitutions, are here given as translated in the English statutes. 39. No freeman shall be taken, or imprisoned, or be deceased of his freehold, or liberties or free customs, or be otherwise distroped, damaged, nor will be press upon him, nor seize upon him, condemn him, but by lawful judgment of his peers, or by the law of the land. 40. We will sell to no man, we will not deny or defer to any man, either right or justice. The Great Charter recognizes a popular tribunal as a check on the official judges, and may be looked upon as the foundation of the writ of habeas corpus. It provides that no one is to be condemned on rumour or suspicion, but only on the evidence of witnesses. It affords protection against excessive immersements, illegal distresses, and various processes for debts and service due to the Crown. Fines are in all cases to be proportionate to the magnitude of the offence, and even the villain or rustic is not to be deprived of his necessary chattels. There are provisions regarding the forfeiture of land for felony. The testamentary power of the subject is recognized over part of his personal estate, and the rest to be divided between his widow and children. The independence of the church is also provided for. These are the most important features of the Great Charter, which, exacted by men with arms in their hands from a resisting king, occupies so conspicuous a place in history which establishes the supremacy of the law of England over the will of the monarch, and which still forms the basis of English liberties. THE MECKLENBURG DECLARATION More than a year before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, a document was drawn up that was almost a model in phraseology and sentiment of the great charter of American freedom. 
There are various accounts of this matter, but the most trustworthy is this. At a public meeting of the residents of Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, held at Charlotte on the 20th of May, 1775, it was, quote, Resolved that whenever directly or indirectly abetted, or in any way, form, or manner countenanced, the unchartered and undangerous invasion of our rights, as claimed by Great Britain, is an enemy to our country, to America, and to the inherent and inalienable rights of man. Resolved that we, the citizens of Mecklenburg County, do hereby dissolve the political bonds which have connected us to the mother country, and hereby absolve ourselves from all allegiance to the British crown, and abjure all political connection, contract, or association with that nation, which has wantonly trampled on our rights and liberties, and inhumanely shed the blood of American patriots at Lexington. Resolved, that we do hereby declare ourselves a free and independent people, are and of right ought to be a sovereign and self-governing association, under the control of no power other than that of our God, and the general government of the Congress. To the maintenance of which independence we solemnly pledge to each other our mutual cooperation, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. End quote. There are two other resolutions concerning the militia and the administration of the law, but these, having no present value, are here omitted. THE DECLARATION OF INDEPENDENCE IN CONGRESS, JULY 4, 1776 When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another, and to assume, among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature, and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute a new government, laying its foundation on such principles, and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, 
all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them, formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies, at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records, for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly, for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused, for a long time after such dissolutions, to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large, for their exercise, the state remaining, in the meantime, exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without, and convulsions within. He has endeavoured to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migration hither, and raising conditions of new appropriation of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices, and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices, and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people, and to eat out their substance. He has kept among us, in times of peace, standing armies, without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of, and superior to, the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution, and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us, in many cases, of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond the seas to be tried for pretended offences for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighbouring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries, so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering, fundamentally, the forms of our governments for suspending our own legislatures, and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us, in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here, by declaring us out of his protection, and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, 
ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages, and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow-citizens, taken captive on the high seas, to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrection among us, and has endeavoured to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant, is unfit to be ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attention to our British brethren. We have warned them, from time to time, of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and have conjured them, by the ties of our common kindred, to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connection and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation, and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved, and that, as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honour. The foregoing declaration was, by order of the Congress, engrossed, and signed by the following members. John Hancock New Hampshire, Josiah Bartlett, William Whipple, Matthew Thornton Massachusetts Bay, Samuel Adams, John Adams, Robert Treat Payne, Elbridge Jerry. Rhode Island, Stephen Hopkins, William Ellery. Connecticut, Roger Sherman, Samuel Huntington, William Williams, Oliver Wolcott. New York, William Floyd, Philip Livingston, Francis Lewis, Lewis Morris. New Jersey, Richard Stockton, John Witherspoon, Francis Hopkinson, John Hart, 
Abraham Clark. Pennsylvania. Robert Morris, Benjamin Rush, Benjamin Franklin, John Morton, George Clymer, James Smith, George Taylor, James Wilson, George Ross. Delaware. Caesar Rodney, George Reed, Thomas McKean. Maryland. Samuel Chase, William Paco, Thomas Stone, Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Virginia. George Wythe, Richard Henry Lee, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Harrison, Thomas Nelson, Jr., Francis Lightfoot Lee, Carter Braxton. North Carolina. William Hooper, Joseph Hughes, John Penn. South Carolina. Edward Rutledge, Thomas Hayward, Jr., Thomas Lynch, Jr., Arthur Middleton. Georgia. Button Gwinnett, Lyman Hall, George Walton. The following clause formed part of the original Declaration of Independence as signed, but was finally left out of the printed copies, out of respect to South Carolina. He, King George III, has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty, in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery, in another hemisphere, or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. End of section 17